Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Jim Balzano. For the next several weeks, we're going to do a, a theme uh, entitled like we did last year around the immeasurably more theme of Scripture. And uh, I want to get us to imagine in our minds, in our hearts, our spirits, what would God's immeasurable look like? Is it just a nice Scripture that we quote? Or does it really mean what it says? Hmm? Is it something we just quote and it's just figurative and it sounds good? Or do we really believe that God has an immeasurable? And can you imagine it? And so we're going to do that for the next several weeks. Our key scripture obviously will be Ephesians chapter 3. Now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that has worked within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And so we're going to do that for the next number of weeks. I want you to believe it for yourself, your family, your church, your city, your region. Um, we have a conference coming up that's entitled that. Our goal is to do an annual conference called Immeasurably More. Um, this year we have Dr. Luke Holter and Randy Valamont. Invite some people and come. Now let me tell you something. Here's the key to that. If you invite people, you've got to come too. All right, we, we, we try to set aside some time where we set a table where we believe God's going to put something on that table that's going to edify you, that's going to um, uh, encourage you, that's going to lift you up, that's going to mean something in your life. And if you really believe that, you should bring some people with you. All right, um, we also, the Monday and the Tuesday morning sessions will be specific, uh, yeah, specifically around leadership, but not just pastoral leadership, it'll be leadership. And so if you're a leader, you know leaders, we want you to be a part of that on uh, Monday mornings and Tuesday morning. Um, invite people for that as well. On November 19th, we are going to have a special day where we are receiving an offering for the project that we began a couple weeks ago to build the classrooms. I was praying about this offering and I was saying, Lord, I just want to give it a name to put some meaning to it other than just building classrooms. And, and I believe that he told me, hello. Call it immeasurably more. That's what you're talking about. That's what your conference is about. See, we're building a classroom facility. In that room, we're going to teach, train, mentor, equip people. We're, we're going to impart. We're going to give what we have to another generation. We're going to instill in them. We're going to inspire them. We're going to show the love of Jesus to a generation in those rooms. Um, we're going to do, and we're going to do what we can. Um, and that place, and out of that place can come the immeasurable. How many know you can go back in the history of this church and not really measure, perhaps, all of the significance that has happened because of people who are willing to give, to teach, to train? Last week, you heard from Ed Ferguson. He was one of those recipients. He's been all around the world being used as a missionary that started in a classroom in this church. All right? And so we have to understand that what we are doing has generational impact. Do you believe that? And so that's what we're doing, all right? Uh, we may not ever be able to comprehend the impact that comes out of those rooms. What we do in those rooms can truly be immeasurable. But how many know we can measure the cost? <laughs> Trust me. And this almost sometimes seems immeasurable too. Because man, every time you go to build something, you always find out it costs more than you planned and takes longer than you thought it would, all right? And so even though we, we, we know that it's measured, but we have an immeasurable God. All right, the work and the fruit will be immeasurable. Thus, we are having an immeasurably more offering. And I hope and pray that you will give God a measure, not just of money, but a measure of faith. Because how many know it's faith that causes you to give money? Come on. 
Not abundance that causes you to give money. That's easy to give out of abundance. But faith causes you to give, right? Faith that will cause you to give. It's a measure of faith that we use, not just the money that we give. How many know God honors your faith? He can find the money somewhere else. Come on. He can find the money somewhere else. He's God. It was his first. All right? He's looking for faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so I'm asking you to begin now to pray what you're going to give on that date on the 19th. We're going to give. Penny and I are giving. And we're giving substantially. We need some people to give substantially. We need gifts that are uh, of measure. We need more than $100. We need 1000 5000 10000 We need to raise some money, all right, because we want to put that building up. We have the money we sold from the, the, the church, but that's not all that we need because there's a few other things that we've added because it's going to be a, a wonderful tool. And um, so I'm just asking you to be in there praying now to invest into what will ultimately be immeasurably more. Amen? And so I'm going to speak to you today, and I'm going to go back to the scripture I read to you already, Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40, I'm going to read a few verses out of there. And um, again, beginning with verse 9. Get yourself up on a high mountain, O Zion, bearer, bearer of good news, okay? Come on. Can I just stop there for a moment? Penny, what are you doing over here? You're supposed to be in the Tyrone section over here. Did, Did you guys throw her out or what? She's now in the Bellwood section. I took her from Tyrone, like, how many years ago? 30, something, 33 years ago. What'd you do, Shelly? Kick her out? All right, okay. She loves when I bring attention to her. Bearers of good news. Can I just stop there for a moment? You are bearers of good news. Whoa, don't get excited. You know, I've met people who are much much better at being bearer of bad news than good news. Oh, they love gossip. They love bad news. They love to say the bad things. Isn't it amazing how bad news gets posted so quickly on Facebook? Man, boom, 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 boom. We got the greatest message in the world, the gospel of the kingdom of God. We're the bearers of it, man. We should be shouting it. We should be preaching it. We should be speaking it. We should be doing it at the counter at Lowe's. I was at Lowe's this morning, all right? And I was just like looking at the lady. I thought, hey, have a great day. You're awesome. God loves you. I, I sat, let me tell you a little story quickly. I want you to pray for this young man. I sat in Orlando, Florida on Thursday, Wednesday night. We got back from the conference that we were at, and my friend went to the hotel. I said, I'm going to go over to Chili's and eat chips and salsa. So I was sitting in the corner, and a young man comes and waits on me, nice young kid, um, good-looking kid, tall, skinny, um, polite, pleasant, great smile, great personality. But I mean, no, you can tell when he has that ornery side. Got me no ornery recognizes ornery, all right? And I can just tell he has those other sides, okay? And so I was talking to him, and I said, man, I like, I like this kid. It reminded me of my son. And, and so I said to him a little later, I said, what's your name? He said, Tyler. I said, all right, man. And then when we were about done, I said, Tyler, what's next in life? What's next? How old are you? What's next? He said, I'm 25. He's, he said, well, I go to school, and then I stop, and I go to school, and then I stop, and I do this job, and I do that job. And I, and I said to him, man, you get restless, don't you? You don't finish anything, do you? You start, it's exciting, you find fun and joy of everything you do, but it doesn't sustain itself and it doesn't last, does it? He said, no. He said, no, it doesn't. But I want to do this and I want to do that. I said, I said, you got any church background? You got any God background? He said, no, not really. He said, my mom, sometimes she'll call and tell me things about God. But I think about it, but I've been thinking about it. I said, well, let me tell you something, man. Your name, Tyler, one of the meanings of your name means doorkeeper. It means doorkeeper. I said, let me tell you something. There's a, there's a, chapter in the Bible, John chapter 10, that talks about Jesus being the great shepherd. 
The Bible says that when he comes, the doorkeeper opens the door for him, and the shepherd comes in because he heard his voice and he recognized him, and the doorkeeper opens the door and he comes in. Let me tell you something, Tyler. If you'll, be the do- if you'll open the door to Jesus, I promise you your life will never be the same. He'll rock your world. I promise you he'll take you on a journey. He'll take, and I'm not talking just spiritually. I'm telling you he'll take you physically to places you never imagined. The greatest thing I ever did, Tyler, was open my life to God, give my heart to him. My, the greatest thing I ever did was open the door. I, says, I have gone places physically and spiritually that I never imagined going. I've been in, in all kinds of places in the world because of opening up. It's a byproduct blessing. All right? And I said, he will rock your world because he's got a great plan for your life. And he said, where are you, pastor? I said, in Pennsylvania. (laughs) But the point I'm saying, the point of all this is to say to you, you are a bearer of good news. Whether it's here in church, whether it's at the restaurant, wherever it might be, that you're saying, hey, let me tell you about this God. You're doing that. I don't know whatever. I may never see Tyler again in my life. I probably won't. I promise you if I go to Orlando, I promise you I'll go to that same Chili's looking for that same kid. I promise you. I used to have this. I, I'm at the, the staff, remember, I used to have this ongoing relationship with this waitress at a, at a, at a remember Troy, at the diner down in, um, no, no, down in, remember the one down at um, Pendale? Yeah, Gar Carlisle and Carlisle. Okay, I went, we would deliberately go there a couple years in a row because one year I spoke to her life and I followed it up. I want to go to that diner. She was there again. We spoke to her, followed it up. Okay, now I got another one. That's right, I got another one in Ohio. I got girlfriends everywhere. All right, and uh, <laughs> Carmen. Car- Carmen, is, Carmen is one who works in the Holiday Inn restaurant in uh, Youngstown, Ohio. Every time I'm there, I speak the word of God to her. I speak something over her. I try to get her into a church, and I deliberately go there, and I deliberately ask for her to say the same thing. You are bearers of good news, not just in here. Amen? I do not have girlfriends everywhere. <laughs> but listen to what Isaiah, Isaiah says. Lift up your voice, your mighty voice. Lift it up. Don't fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. How many of you say today to Altoona, here is your God? Hmm? You can say it. You know how you say it? You say it with your voice. You say it with everything you got. You say it with your money. You say it with your love. You say it with your passion. You say it everywhere you go. You are carrying it. It's so good, isn't it? All right, never mind. Listen, I'm going to go on. And then he begins, verse 12. Who has measured the waters in God's hand? And marked off the heavens by the span. And calculated the dust of the earth by the measure. And weighed the mountains in a balance. And the hills in a pair of scales. Who has directed the spirit of the Lord? Or his counselor has informed him. With whom did he consult? And whom gave him understanding? And who taught him in the path of justice? And taught him knowledge and informed him of the way of understanding? Do you get the idea that the writer is saying, God is saying, who of you can measure me? Who of you can measure me. Hmm. Let's talk about this for a moment. Let me talk about this. Okay. How long is a football field? Very good. You guys are good. How far is it from first base, or home plate to first base? How far is it from the pitcher's mound to home plate? 60 feet, six inches, right? How far is a hockey, how, how big is a hockey ring? 200, what? 215. I knew he'd know. He's Canadian. All right? How, how long is a basketball court? Drew. 
Okay, listen to me. Cheers, I'm going to need your help. Every once in a while I point you, you've got to blow that trumpet to wake him up. All right? <laughs> 94 feet, right? All right? How many licks does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop? <laughs> How many hours do you typically work? Too many. Unless you're a pastor, you work one day a week. I've heard it for four, how many years? All right? Typically speaking, 40 hours a week, right? You, you see, we have this idea in our life, our, our paradigm in life is we do things by measurement, right? Now, I, I need a volunteer. Rick, I need your help, okay? And, and I, I, Cameron, I'm going to need you, okay? Since you were amen to me so good, all right? Hey, right? Come on up here. Come on. All right. Now, I got to make sure, you, first of all, I got to make sure you're qualified. All right. How many fingers am I holding up? Ten. Oh, you're good. All right. Five. One. Three. Wish I could do that thing out of that one movie. Remember when, when Jim Carrey was God, or Morgan Freeman was God, and he came out with six fingers? It'd be so cool. All right. Okay. So I need, so, so, so you can count. You're pretty confident in that. Yes. All right. So I'm going to need your help. All right. Okay. Now, what I'm going to need you to do by the end of the service is I need you to tell me how many grains of sand are in this bag, okay? All right? Do you need me to get it out for you? No. Not really. It's not. I mean, it's, it's just one bag. Look, look. I need every single piece. You want me to get your chair up here so they can watch? Yeah. You can do this? I mean, I would do it. You would do it? I would. Do you I think would. you can do it? It would take weeks. With weeks? Yeah. Weeks? I don't have weeks, camera. I got about 30 minutes. Can't do it for you, bud. What do you mean you can't do it? It's impossible. It's not impossible. It's one bag. To do it in a half an hour. Well, maybe. You don't want to do it? I, I will try to do it. Oh, forget it. Get out of here then. Fine. Just fine. Fine. Okay? Just fine. Anybody else want to do it? Anybody else want to volunteer? Tim, you want to do it? You can't count that high. <sighs> okay. You saying, why am I bringing that up? I'll, I'll tell you in a minute. Okay? Think about this. Here is your God. The one whose power, this, this whole verse, chapter 40. The one whose power cannot be measured. The one whose love cannot be measured. The one whose works cannot be measured. The one whose knowledge, understanding, and wisdom cannot be measured. The one who cannot be measured by comparison. To whom will you compare me? To what will you compare me? What are you going to compare God to today? The one who created the heavens. The one who has done the immeasurable. It's the one place we put our hope. It's in the immeasurable one that this end of that tells us we renew our strength. Right? It's the one with immeasurable energy and power and strength that we renew our strength. It's because of the immeasurable one that we soar on wings of eagles. It's because of the measurable one that we run and we don't grow weary. And we walk and we don't faint. Which brings me back to our verse. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that's worked within us. You see, in the past, I've said to you that God is able to do the immeasurable. How many know he's able? And in the past, I've said to you that God is willing to do the immeasurable. How many know not only is he able, but he's willing? Okay, that's getting weaker. Today, I want to say this. I want you to catch, catch this. God is able to do the immeasurable because he is the immeasurable. 
Come on. He does what he is. He is what he does. God loves because God is love. Measurable people cannot do the immeasurable. Limited people cannot do the limitless. Yet we, a measured, limited people, can come into covenant with the immeasurable God of heaven and earth, and thereby we can experience the immeasurable because we're in covenant with the immeasurable. A limited man comes into agreement with a limitless God, and the unlimited is possible. A measured man comes into agreement with an immeasurable God, the immeasurable is possible. And yet I want us to think how we approach God sometimes. I want us to think about this. We come to the one who cannot be measured by time, and yet we'll come to him with measured time. You get one hour. Okay, God, you get two hours. Anything beyond that, I'm out. Church was too long today. <laughs> Sometimes it is. You know why? Because the pastor just goes on and on and on and on. Think about this. I need you, Troy. You get one hour. You get two hours. You get one day. You get one evening. Worship was too long. Church was too long. I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to read the word. I don't have time for this or that. Think about this for a moment. I want you to think about this. The God who cannot be measured by time, who transcends time, who creates kairos moments in your life, we want to measure in chronos. We want to give him chronos. We want to give him a limited amount of time and say, now God, do this in my life. I, I want to say to you this morning that for some of you in this house this morning, God is saying to you, I want more of your time. Stop measuring your time. Stop being so measured with me. Stop being so measured. Imagine you're in a relationship with your wife and you say to her, you're getting one hour this week. You're getting two hours this week. Now, Penny might be happy, but the rest of you, okay? We come to the one who cannot be measured by money with a measured amount of money. Come on. We don't give in faith to the one who is immeasurable. We don't tie to the one who is immeasurable. We hoard because we lack faith in the one who is immeasurable. We say he's immeasurable, but we give as if he's measurable. Ouch. I'm talking, listen to me. I'm talking to me too this morning. But can I get an amen? No, <laughs> no we're not giving an amen to that. We, we come to him and we say, God, you're immeasurable, but I'm going to give you measured offerings. I'm going to give you measured time. I'm going to give you measured worship. I'm going to give you measured praise. I'm going to give you measured gifts. I'm going to, give you, I'm going to guard it. I'm going to hoard it. What I do is not going to come out of faith. We want an immeasurable blessing while our offerings are measured gifts. Or how about this one? We me- <laughs> how about this one? That sometimes we measure ourselves against each other. Don't you, always, don't, you, don't you feel better about yourself sometimes when you measure yourself against some people? Hmm? Yeah, because who do you measure yourself? I'm going to measure myself with somebody who I think might be inferior to me. If I'm going to play the trumpet, I'm not measuring myself against Chiz. Okay. Right? It's just not happening. Okay? The, the, you saw the little girl run when I challenged her to a dance-off. She obviously knows who I am. 
We, we want to, but, but the Bible talks about we're foes when we measure ourselves against each other. It says, listen to what the scripture says. How many know we love to judge each other? which is measuring out judgment. We judge and you'll not be judged. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you'll not be condemned. Forgiven, you'll be forgiven. Given, it'll be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, we poured into your lap. For the measure you use is the measure to be used to you. Ouch. Let me tell you something. Sometimes I don't want returned to me what I have measured against somebody else. But let's think about it. Let's be honest for a moment. Our life is sometimes measured. We, we come to God in a measured fashion, and yet he's the immeasurable one. And, and so I want to I show you for just a few moments this morning, I want to show you a man in the scripture that someone who received the immeasurable from God. I'm going to bring out a few points, and I'll be done. Our elders have a presentation they're going to do at the end of the service today. And so I'm going to preach fast. I didn't say I'd preach short. <laughs> I said fast. Amen. Turn with me, Genesis chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15 is the story of Abram. The reason I brought the bag of sand that kind of was messing with Cameron with it was God made him a promise that he would have descendants as numerous as the sand on the seashore. How many know you can't count that? You can't count that. The immeasurable God made Abram an promise. But I want to pick it up in chapter 15. And I want you to see this. Verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, do not fear Abram. I'm a shield to you. Your reward shall be very great. How many of those are good words? I mean, like, how many like God to come and say your reward is very great? I'd like that. But Abram's not happy with that. I mean, it's not that he's unhappy, but he's just like, I want something else. How many want something from God? Abram says, oh God, what will you give me? Since I'm childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, since you've given me no offspring, no one born in my house is my heir. See, Abram comes with a request. He says, I want a son. I want an heir. I don't have one. Yeah, you're blessed in my life, and yes, you're my reward, and yes, you're my shield, but I want something. I want a son. I want an heir. It's not a servant. I want an heir. And God gives him an immeasurable promise. Watch this. Then behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this man will not be your heir, but one who will come forth from your own body shall be your heir. And he took him outside and he said, now look towards the heavens and count the stars if you're able to count them. You ever tried counting stars? Good luck with that, right? And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. Man, in another place that adds the seashore. Think about this. You will have a son. My promise to you, Abram, is this. You will have a son, and you will have immeasurably more than a son. <gasps> That's so cool, or what? I need that trumpet. Can I borrow your trumpet? I'm just kidding. I'm going to start pointing at you. And I point at you. God promised him a son, but promised him something he couldn't even count. He said, look, look up in the sky, Abram. Count the stars if you can. That's your descendants. You want a son. I'm going to give you more than a son. I'm going to give you so many you can't count. I'm going to give you the immeasurable. Mm, I'm liking this story. God promised to Abram both a present and a future promise. And 
I love it when I see a God who says, I'll bless you now, but I'm going to bless you beyond your years. Hmm? Most of us live in the now moment. I heard the statement the other day that faith is for the present, hope is for the future. Hmm, interesting. God's promise was a generation blessing. Listen to me. God's promise to Abram, I want you to think about this for a minute. His promise to Abram was something that Abram would never see fully fulfilled in his lifetime because the promise couldn't be measured by a lifetime. He was getting a promise from God that he would never totally see fulfilled in his lifetime because the promise could not be measured by a lifetime. Does anybody in here kind of get excited about thinking about what God can do in your life that goes beyond your lifetime? There are people that will pay millions of dollars to put their name on a building so it, it, they leave a legacy and people will remember them after they're long gone. Sometimes we can only see what we want to see in our lifetimes. Sometimes we can't see the future. There's things we're going to, listen to me, we're going to build a building. Praise God, it's going to be here someday, right? We're going to be gone. A lot of us are going to be dead, gone, and we don't know what is going to be the impact of what will come out of that building, yet it'll be immeasurable because it will reach beyond our lifetime. God's promise to Abram was, for, was one for his lifetime and beyond his lifetime. God's blessing in our lives can transcend our life. It was an immeasurable promise. Hmm. Now, Abram, all right, has a choice. Watch this. Then he believed the Lord, and he reckoned it to him as righteousness. Either you believe it or not. Even some of you today are sitting here listening to it. That sounds good. Sounds great. I see it in Abram's life. I don't know if I believe it. Hmm? You ever have a trouble? Does anybody here ever have a trouble with faith? Anybody here ever have a trouble believing something? Okay, three of us. All right, praise God for us three heathens. Either you believe it or you don't. You see, Abram wasn't believing just in God. He was believing God. I mean, lots of people can believe in God but not believe God. There's a difference, is there not? The Bible tells us the demons believe in God, but they don't believe God. We've got to come to a place in our life where we move beyond a religious experience of saying, I believe in God, to having a, 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 a relationship and a revelation that I'm going to believe God whatever he says, whenever he says it, however he says it. Do you believe that you are a son of God? Do you believe that his grace covers you? Do you believe the promises that come in God's word? Or do you just have a believe in God relationship? We need to move from having a belief in God to believe in God. I believe what you say. I believe your promises. I believe your word. I believe God when you speak. I know your voice. I heard your voice. And I believe what you say. See, it's not what you give to God. It's the faith behind what you give to God. It's not what you do for God. It's the faith you use behind what you do for God. Right? Because, because we know without faith, it is impossible to please God. It's impossible. And so, so now, Abram, the Bible says that he believed God. And then, verse 7, God says, I'm the Lord who brought you out of the early Chaldeans, 
to give you this land to possess it. And now Abram says, but God, how do I know I'm going to possess it? You know, you hear God speak. I've heard God speak. I believe God's led us into projects. I believe he's led us to various places. I believe he led us here. I believe he led us to 11th Street. I believe he's led us to the, what we're doing through the Nehemiah Project with the townhome project we have coming up. I believe he has led us to do Wright Elementary, and I have no idea how it's going to get done. Right, Dave? <laughs> but we believe God. But we believe God. We believe God. And yet there's times we have crisis of faith. Oh, God. <laughs> okay, I'm going to get up and preach a bunch of faith, and I'm home at night going, oh, gosh. <laughs> right? Because you're always going to come. He said, how am I going to know? Now, watch what God does. God gives him instructions. God says, this is what I want to do. I want you to do this. He said, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, and a three-year-old ram, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. How many times? That just sounds weird. Anybody say that sounds weird? I mean, come on, the Bible's weird sometimes. You're reading that going, okay, you're going to bring a goat, a cow, a ram, a bird, and another bird. Okay. He said, I want you to bring them. He said, they brought them to him. He cut them in two and laid each half opposite the other, but he did not cut the birds. Now, let's stop there for a moment. All right, these instructions. Let's not get too, we can get into a whole lot of imagery this morning. We're not going to do that. I just want you to understand that part of this was contextual to the culture that he was living in. All right, the manner of making covenants in that ancient culture was to do this. And both parties, if two men were making a covenant, they would take these animals. They would be cut in half. The blood would be shed. It would be ratified by blood. And they would walk together among these carcasses, okay? It was a sacrificial cutting of animals. Both parties would walk through it, the animal parts together, repeating the terms of the covenant, okay? So we'd go through, and I agree to this, and I agree to that, and they'd walk through it, all right? The Lord was making a covenant with Abram, okay? So now he tells him to do this. Have you ever felt God has asked you to give him something? Sure. Have you ever had a promise from God? One, two, three, four. What happens when God gives you a promise and you're, come, you're, and you're trying to bring him something? It gets attacked. What happens when God sows a word and he tries to steal it? When he shows a seed, he tries to steal it. Look what happens here. It's interesting. The birds of praise, the vultures, that which was destroyed, what Abram had prepared to walk into this covenant with God, that which God is going to use in his life to seal a promise. The birds of prey come and the ravenous ravens come and they're trying to destroy and to steal these things. All right, there's this almost, there's waiting period between God's word and his fulfillment. How many know there's almost always a waiting period between his promise and his fulfillment? There just is. And how many know that period of time stinks? There's challenges that come up. There's struggles that come up. It's at this point the vultures of hell try to steal it, that the demonic vultures swoop in and try to take what you've prepared. Let me tell you something this morning. It's time you put up a fight. It's time that you tell them, you know what, this belongs to God, you get lost. I'm always amazed at how tough people are until it comes to spiritual things. We need some spiritual gangsters. I've dealt with a lot of guys that come off the street. They're tough, man. And nobody, they're not going to be punked. They're not going to be this, they're not going to be that. Then they get saved. And the enemy starts to, oh, I don't want to do it. Shut up, would you please? Use the stuff you had in the street. Redeem it. And make. Now, come on, be a gangster. Be a spiritual gangster. You're a punk. Get away from me. Abram really goes and has to start driving away 
the vultures that would steal this stuff. Can you imagine? Have you ever tried to chase a bird? Hmm? Huh? Think about this. I just want to say to you this morning, some of you, it's time to toughen up. It's time to become aggressive against what the enemy is trying to do in your life. Just a little side note. All right? This belongs to God. You can't have my family. You can't have my child. You can't have my marriage. You can't have my grandchildren. You can't have my church. You can't have my city. So what does God do? So now he drives him away. God shows up. Watch what happens. Verse, we'll skip over to verse um, 17. It came about when the sun had set that it was very dark, and behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a flaming torch which passed between these pieces. Again, it's weird. All right? (laughs) What, what's happening here? Don't get too caught up in flaming pots and all this stuff, torches. Just know this, God showed up. Sometimes we use a lot of nomenclature anymore. And I was, we were talking last week about this a little bit. Sometimes we use a lot of nomenclature in Christian circles to mean something. We talk about the presence of God is here. The presence is here. Now listen to me, I love the presence of God. But can I just remind you that when we say stuff like that, here's what we're really saying. God's here. God's here. Okay, I don't introduce, the presence of George Bell is here. George is here. How I many know sometimes it gets mysterious? It gets like, we're talking, and for those who have no background in Pentecostal charismatic circles, they're like, huh, what do you mean the river's here? What river? I don't see a river. What do you mean there's a river? God is here. God is here. Come on, how I many know we can recognize, and we use phrases, and we can use imagery, but the fact of the matter is, it's God. It's God, a flaming torch, a a smoking pot. Let me just tell you what it was. It was a manifest presence that God was there. God was here. God was in his midst, all right? God came down, and he, watch this, but watch what happens. God alone walked among the carcasses. Abram didn't go with him. God himself was ratifying and sealing the contract. God alone was cutting the covenant with Abram. It was a unilateral covenant, not a mutual one. God alone signed and sealed the covenant. It would not fail because God would not fail. If it was a mutual covenant that was dependent upon both Abram and God, the covenant would have failed. But it was only dependent upon God. And it would not fail because God does not fail. The promises don't fail because God doesn't fail. It would not cease because God does not cease. It was an immeasurable covenant because it was signed and sealed by the immeasurable one. The promise was sure because the covenant was sure. The covenant was fixed because God is faithful. The immeasurable would flow out of the loins of Abram because the immeasurable God who made him the immeasurable promise had sealed the contract. There would be an immeasurable people because of an immeasurable promise made to a measurable man. How many of we can measure Abram's life? How old was when he died? Come on. Peter, how old was he? 60. <laughs> He's making a guess. How old was he when he had a son? 100 years old. I don't want to summon him 100 years old. Well, actually, it'd be kind of cool. I think he was 120. 
120. We can measure his life. He lived from this period to this period. But the immeasurable promise that God made to him, guess what? It's still on the earth in 2017. How cool is my God? How cool is your God? How is immeasurable is your God? Let me ask you a question this morning. What's going to be here 50 years from now when you're long gone that came because the immeasurable God made a promise to a measurable man or woman It's still here 50 years from now? They'll measure my lifetime. They'll measure my years. But there's some things that are beyond measure. Abraham, Abram at this point, only did one thing. He only did one thing. Believe God. He believed God. And when God said, go get, some, go get a cow, go get a goat, go get a ram, okay, he believed God. Let me tell you what else this immeasurable God did. Because of his immeasurable love for you and me, he made another covenant. It wasn't a covenant that consisted of heifers and goats, rams, pigeons, and doves, but rather his son. It wasn't a covenant that saw the offering brought by men, but rather it was an offering presented by himself. It wasn't a covenant that saw the cutting of animal carcasses and the blood of animals being shed. It was a covenant that was cut by God with the blood of his own son. He cut the covenant that enables you and I to walk in the immeasurable blessings of God. It was a covenant that we receive by faith. By faith. It is a covenant that brings us into the immeasurable riches of his glory. It's a covenant that is received by faith that brings blessings in my lifetime and beyond my lifetime. It's a covenant that I walk in by faith that causes God to give me. Come on. The Bible says he gives the Holy Spirit without measure. The immeasurable spirit of God dwells inside of me. Do you know what that means? You have access to the immeasurable one. You have access to the immeasurable but it's hard for us measured people to wrap our minds around an immeasurable God. And the only way that I can begin to do that is not what I see with my eyes. How many know you don't see with your eyes? You're like, he's so weird. You see through your eyes, but you don't see with your eyes. Your eyes are a tunnel that connects to your brain. And it's your brain that tells you what your eyes are seeing. I can take right now and I look out here and I use my eyes. And through my eyes, I see this man right here. I see that he's 29 years old. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Okay, my brain's malfunctioning, okay? All right. But it's my brain that tells me who I'm seeing. I'm seeing Dick Scolton. It's not my eyes doing that. I'm seeing through my eyes. You see... And sometimes, and what we got to understand is that we see, and what we see, we can, it, it is interpreted by our mind and our brain. And how many know it's important that our minds then get be renewed by the Word of God, so that my brain isn't defying what I see in the natural. But now I begin to see by the Spirit of God. I begin to see by the Spirit of God because if I'm seeing by the Spirit of God. Now I'm not looking through a measured man. I'm looking through the immeasurable Spirit of God and connecting to an immeasurable God. But isn't it easier to be measured? Because we can qualify it and quantify it. 
I work 40 hours this week, and I get paid this much amount per hour. I'm using an illustration. How many of you have measured that this week? How many of you check your paycheck sometimes? And you go, wait, that's not right. Hmm? Because we've learned to be measured. Let's not come to an immeasurable God with a measured heart and a measured mind and a measured wallet and a measured worship and a measured praise and a measured amount of time. Because God is the one who immeasurably gave his son. Immeasurably more is possible because he is immeasurably more. We give because he's immeasurably more. We live because he's immeasurably more. We work because he's immeasurably more. We worship because he's immeasurably more. We praise him because he's immeasurably more. We don't measure our time any longer because he's immeasurably more. Come on, church. How many are ready to step into the immeasurable God by limiting your measure? Hmm? I believe what God is saying this morning in this house is he's got a question, and I'm about done. If I'm immeasurable, why are you being measured? I've got to tell you, that convicts me long before it convicts you. If I'm immeasurable, why is your faith measured? If I'm immeasurable, why is... Your belief measured. If I'm immeasurable, why is your giving measured? If I'm immeasurable, why is your work measured? If I'm immeasurable, why can you only give me an hour or two a week and think you're going to get from me the immeasurable blessings of God? Immeasurably more than we can think or imagine is because He is immeasurable. And I am so glad that I serve and know a God who can't be measured by man. Think about it. What would it be like to serve and worship a man, a God who's measured like men are? Of course, change the perspective, wouldn't it? He is the immeasurable one. And out of his loins flows the immeasurable blessings of God. Father, we love you today. You are the immeasurable God. You are the immeasurable one. It's hard for us to wrap our minds around it. We're finite people, finite minds, finite lives. We measure everything. And yet you would say to us today, stop giving me a predetermined measure. I want your faith, not your stuff. Your stuff will be indicative of your faith. Your work will be indicative of your faith. Your purity, your holiness will be indicative of your faith. Your giving will be an indicative of your faith. That God wants us to believe him. 
when he says, I'll do this, but more. I'll do this, more. I'll do this, but more. Let us get our eyes fixed upon what you do now and yet what can flow out of us into the future. Come on, stand with me for just a moment. And I'm going to ask our elders to come. I did this on Thursday night's prayer night. I'm going to do it today. I want to pray a prayer of blessing over you that Paul prayed over the Ephesians. I, I really am much... I'm really believing that God wants us to bless more often from the pastor's role. Let me just bless you. And one of the things I want to bless you with today is what Paul wrote to the Ephesians. He said, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth derives his name. How many know this morning we got the same daddy? Come on. We got the same father. And that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, that you would be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. So that Christ would dwell in your hearts through faith. And that you, being rooted and grounded in love. Come on. You know what grounds you in who? God is love. You're rooted and you're grounded in the love of God. His love is constant. His love is a fixed. I said this one time about parents with wayward children. Make sure you give them unconditional love because it's the unconditional love that is the fixed point. It's the North Star that they return to. God the Father, His love is our North Star. The prodigal son had a North Star to return to. It was the Father's love. We're rooted and grounded in the Father's love. That you'll be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ. Oh, if I could just get you to know His love that surpasses knowledge, that you would be filled to the fullness of God. Now, to him who is able to do far more abundantly, imaginably more, far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus for all generations, forever and ever. And everybody said, Amen. amen. I bless you with those words.